Howdy guys, I'm Aiden of Blue Catch Productions, and welcome to Aiden on Anchor. Aiden on Anchor is a podcast focusing on my life. I'll tell you a lot about myself and hopefully provide value through experience. What's up everybody, it's episode 63 of the show, currently recording this at 3pm on September 7, 2020, the day it goes out, I know, we're a little late for sure, uh, but hey, better better late than never, you know, if I get it up today, I get it up today, and that, that sort of fits in the general schedule, I didn't even have any non-anchor last week, uh, so, I, so I feel like, you know, getting one out today will be a really good thing. Um, I've been pretty busy this week, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but I have been a little busy bee, because I am literally moving in two days, literally the ninth is, is the start of, of move-in day, and from the ninth to roughly the 15th, I'll be MIA, I'll be missing from action, I won't be able to be on Discord calls, or record anything, or make anything, so I have been really diligent this past week in getting a lot of projects done, uploaded, scheduled, and ready to go, so... If I'm not around the past couple of days, hopefully these things will keep you interested and will keep you watching some stuff. Because there's a lot of good stuff that's going to be coming out while I'm gone, including a new comedy album that you can listen to right now called The 2009 Vancouver Gang War. It's on Bandcamp. There's 10 new tracks, all of which are bangers, IMO. My personal favorite being Morning Time, so go check that out. It's available now. Uh, I've also moved all my comedy albums over to Bandcamp. They were originally on SoundCloud, and they, and they still are, but going forward, all my new stuff will probably be on Bandcamp because there's no audio upload limit. SoundCloud, you have to pay for their pro version if you want to continue to upload stuff, and I just didn't feel the need to do that, so if you're starting out on comedy music stuff, any content creators listening to this, I'd actually recommend starting on Bandcamp just because you don't have an audio limit, and you can go for as long as you want to, and there's still a pretty sizable audience, and I think it's a it's a fair switch, IMO. But we got that coming out. Uh, we got the Mario Odyssey Versus coming out on Lions Honor Gaming. All the episodes are uploaded and scheduled. So just because I'm gone, you know, episode five, episode six, even the finale, you know, those will all be ready to view whenever they are going up on uh, their particular date. So I hope you watch those and give those a watch. Uh, speaking of LHG stuff, Game Club Season 2. Yeah, I know. It, it took forever to finally finish Game Club Season 2. I started recording that podcast, Season 2 at least, around like late March, and here we are in September when it's finally coming out. Uh, But there's eight episodes. Me and a lot of my friends talk about the games that we love and enjoy. There's eight episodes, 30 minutes long, and they're all really cool. Each episode comes out on Wednesday, so I hope you give those a listen as well. And yeah, I think that's about it. Oh, right. Blue Catch Productions. There's going to be a 30 for 30 premiering while I'm gone. So get hyped for that. I won't reveal what game it is, but let's just say it's one of the better titles on the Sega Genesis. I'm actually really hyped to talk about that one. Um, If you're listening to this podcast, by the way, on September 7th, 2020, uh, I'm actually going to be streaming the final episode of Pokemon Blue tonight. So if you're listening to this and, and you're wanting to catch the stream, go to twitch.tv slash bluecatchproductions. I'll be streaming at 4 p.m. CST, my time, my time zone. You might have to type that into your time zone calculator, but I'll be streaming. The final part of Pokemon Blue will be going for two or three hours or so until we beat the game, and I'll be able to finish that as well. So yeah, I've been a very busy bee, uh, and that's not even counting filming this episode of Aiden on Anchor right now. A lot of projects, a lot of stuff I wanted to work on, and hopefully you enjoy it all. 
while I'm gone and while I'm trying to fucking mess with packing and moving and changing setups. Oh, I hate it. Ugh. I hate it. But the house looks dope, so it'll be worth it in the end. Um, one more little bit of housekeeping things, I guess. I'm sure you're noticing right now. You're looking at the podcast, and you're like, Aiden, is that a new logo for Aiden on Anchor? And it absolutely is. This was done by my good friend Ramson, a.k.a. the Gengar guy. And uh, it was wild. We were just talking on Pokemon Blue while I was streaming. And I was talking about how I wanted originally a textured background for the Aiden on Anchor logo. Uh, Jay did a fabulous job with the last one, but the background was just kind of boring, and I wanted a textured one, and uh, Ramson, who does that type of stuff, was like, yo, I'm gonna hit you up with the textured background, and not only did he do that, he literally just made an entirely new logo for me, and I think it looks absolutely gorgeous, very aesthetic, very modern, very wavy and chic, it's everything I wanted in an Aiden on Acre logo, so uh, I've updated it, it should be showing up on all the podcast platforms fairly soon, if not already, and uh, let me know how you guys feel about it, because I think it's pretty awesome. Uh, again, shout out to Ramson for making it. I'm going to leave a link to his podcast, Chad and Shit, down in the description below. I know I've already plugged it once. I figured I'd plug it already uh, again, but if you need even more content to listen to, another podcast to listen to, Chad and Shit already has like, what, five or so episodes at this point? It's a great podcast. I'd recommend you go listen to it. It's pretty awesome. Thank you again, Ramson. But, uh, yeah, geez, a lot of stuff to get through. What, what, we're already like five minutes and 30 seconds in, and I haven't even talked about our first main topic yet. I know. It's crazy. Absolutely. Uh, but what I wanted to talk about to start this episode is this new Mulan remake that released this year, 2020, on Disney+. Plus. You had to pay a steep $30 price tag. And can I just say, I really hope this doesn't become a trend of just releasing movies digitally for like an absurd asking price. Like I understand Corona and COVID is still a thing. And a lot of movie studios have these projects that they want to get out and and recoup a little bit of cost on totally fair. $30 is a bit much. Like from what I've heard from Zach, the reason they did that was just because like a family could own a Disney plus account. And so they're having to keep in mind that more than one person is probably going to use this account to watch Mulan. So they figured why not charge $30, but man, that's pretty miserable especially for this kind of movie, which, spoiler alert, is not all that good at all. And uh, that sucks, because I had very high hopes for this going into it. Uh, For starters, it was going to be more action-focused rather than a musical. There weren't going to be any songs. Mushu wasn't going to play a part in it whatsoever. Uh, It looked like they were having these all uh, Asian actors and stuff, like they weren't whitewashing anybody at all, which was dope. Uh, female director, like one of the the highest paid, I believe, female director for this type of movie. So there was a lot of promising signs. Uh, But then as things kept coming out and coming out, like the main actress uh, supporting the police and being very anti-Hong Kong, the whole $30 price tag for the movie, some of the negative reviews were starting to come out, that hope slowly turned into worry. But I wasn't going to, you know, judge it right away. Uh, And then Jay ended up getting a little epic pirated copy of it. And so me, Zach, and Jay watched it. And I gotta say, I'm glad I did not go through and pay $30 for this because this movie is bad. Like, really bad. And I don't know where to start even. Because, like, 
Unlike something like the Lion King remake, which I talked about on my channel before, that's a bad movie, you know, doesn't really have an identity to it, but it has a couple of redeemable aspects, like the funny Seth Rogen pig, and the second half being genuinely better uh, than the first, which is something the original can't really even say. Uh, the Mulan remake, unfortunately, does not have any positive attributes going for it, and in fact, it's just a movie full of negatives, in my opinion. And I guess the first place to start would be in the fact that even though there are a lot of Asian actors, and even though this is a primarily Chinese story, um, they still go with the decision to have them speak all their lines in English, and I really wish they didn't, not only just for like diversity's sake, right? It's a Chinese story. You're going all out with the diversity. Why not go ahead and just literally speak your lines in Chinese and have subtitles under it? So there's that argument for it. Uh, but also their, their English delivery on a lot of these lines is stilted and awkward and bad a lot of the time, like amateur level and it's not their fault honestly i think really had they just gone with the decision to just let them speak chinese and let me read the subtitles like that would have been fine i know people would have complained about subtitles and stuff like that but the compromise that they struck here is just awkward it'd be like it'd be like if i was in a movie right uh, but i had to deliver all my lines in spanish i don't know spanish you know i've taken several classes on it but i'm not exactly well uh, versed in the language. I, I don't like, I have a very hard time speaking it. And, and, and just imagine me through a whole two hour movie, just speaking Spanish in the worst way possible. Even if I was a good actor, even if I had all these acting chops, it would still be a bad performance because I'm being forced to speak a language that's very unnatural. And I got that from pretty much everybody involved that English was either not their first language or it was uh, not as good as it could have been. So that's unfortunate just to start off the bat. Not the biggest flaw, but an unfortunate one to say the least. The next biggest flaw I'd say has to do with the action. This was the part that I was looking forward to a lot of the time. Uh, and I noticed that they were kind of taking a Bollywood influence from it. Uh, Bollywood films, in case you don't know, have a very like unique and distinct style with them. They're very over the top. And I mean that very literally, like, You'll have characters running through walls, throwing and catching stuff, flipping through the air. There's a scene in Mulan where she literally kicks an arrow into a dude's chest. Like, very unrealistic, but fun to watch. Like, it's a fun, sort of cheesy, sort of action movie. Uh, but that really doesn't mesh well with the story that they're trying to tell because it ends up impacting Mulan in a negative way. The original movie. I'm not a big fan of, but one of the things that it does really well is that it grounds a lot of the action, and that benefits Mulan as a character. She's not physically strong, you know? She hasn't had formal training before. She struggles in the military camp. She doesn't get along with all the characters right away, but what makes her stand out and what ends up saving the day multiple times is that she's intelligent. She's a great problem solver. A great example of this. In the original, there's a scene where the Huns are coming down the mound, a snowy mound, and they're charging through them. Now, if the Chinese army were to go fight them, they would probably get blown away, right? Brawn versus brawn. It's not going to end well. A lot of casualties, all this sort of stuff. And so Milan thinks ahead and is like, yo, I'm going to take one of these little rockets that we have, shoot it up at the snow slightly above them, and cause an avalanche to literally get rid of the Huns. And since we're further down the mountain, we can escape and get away. 
really smart, I think, honestly. She's not being the super badass warrior. She's thinking through the problems and solving them in unique ways. Uh, the same thing with the final fight, right? She's against the Hun leader. Uh, they're fighting out in, in, in China. They're trying to save the emperor and all that sort of stuff. He is massive, ripped beyond means. Like, these are some chunky-ass cannon arms we're talking about here. Dude is ripped. She's fighting him. You know, she's having a little bit of issues. Same thing. She kind of tricks him, sort of ties him up a little bit with a bit of ribbon, and then fires a rocket directly at his face. And motherfucker just explodes. He is gone. He is beyond dead, bro. Just out of there. And so we have similar scenes like that in the Mulan remake, for sure. But rather than that grounded action taking place so that Mulan can figure out how to solve a problem, here in the remake, she just deadass has magic. And I don't mean like, ooh, I have a little bit of Disney magic to help me get through the day. I'm talking force powers. I'm talking she can move through the air. She can kick arrows. She can move and tremor the ground. She can do all sorts of shit. There's even an evil, like, uh, bad character who has magic powers as well. And she's known to, like, transform into a hawk and, like, literally possess people and all this sort of stuff. Like, magic is a very real part of this movie, and it just means that all the action is unrealistic and all over the place. Fun to watch at some points, for sure, but it doesn't benefit the character. They have the same mountain scene, right? Where they're coming down the mound, and Mulan has to think of an interesting way to defeat her, but all she does is just trimmer the ground a little bit with magic, and that causes the avalanche, and it's so not satisfying at all. It's not satisfying at all. And that goes the same for pretty much every major action scene where Mulan is just kind of turned into like Rey, where she has a huge amount of powers. She's incredibly talented despite not having much of any training at all. Like, you know, I don't feel like she earns much of anything because she has like a, a strict magic boost to make her way stronger than everybody else, despite the fact she hasn't had any training. Uh, so it's just really unrealistic. And I don't care about that type of shit in Star Wars. I'm not one of these com people complaining that Rey is a Mary Sue for sure. Uh, but in this movie, it did bother me a little bit, I guess. What also bothered me a good bit too was the fact that Mulan in the remake is very, very concerned about lying to other people. Uh, in case you don't know the original story, right? Um, the Emperor has to call on the Chinese public and have one of every man in the household sign up for the military so that they can defeat the Huns. Mulan's dad is the only male in the household, but he's like really old and battered and withered. But he's still going to go for it anyway, even though he'll probably die. So Mulan, later that night, steals the armor, steals the horse, goes to the army, uh, herself so that she can save her dad. And at the end of the day, you know, she ends up defeating the Huns by herself and saving all of China, that sort of stuff, right? So there is a little bit of an aspect where Mulan has to hide the fact uh, that she's a female, because if they know that she's a female, she'll get executed, bring a lot of dishonor, right? Lying and treachery, very not cool for early China, right? Uh, and there's a bit of that aspect in the original for sure, but this movie plays it up to the point where Mulan is just suffering from this guilt, this immense guilt. They, they have this like phrase where it's like honor, courage and truth. Right. And at multiple points, she calls back to that. It's on her sword that her father had. And it really seems to affect her in terms of battle and skill. The fact that she can't 
be honest a lot of the time. And it really comes off to me as just sort of like really shitty because Mulan is doing the right thing here, right? She is actively saving her father's life. If she was not there, China would lose and these Huns would kill the emperor. She has to be there and she does a lot of good. <laughs> this movie goes out of its way to be like, Yo, like, even though this is a shitty system, and even though uh, the Chinese army is very sexist against girls, and even though it's a system that, that put her father into military service despite the fact he's, like, 60, like, it's not, it's not 100% the system's fault because Mulan's a liar. Because she lied to it. It's mostly her fault. Not the system but rather this one bad apple. And it's like, that's not how this shit works, right? Like, this is the problem we face a whole lot of the time, whether it's issues like Black Lives Matter or economic shifts and stuff. We we, we tend to be like, it's not the, the system's fault that we suffered through all these inequities. It, it's that there are bad apples in the system. And that if this person lies or this person isn't 100% holier than thou, then that totally validates the system at play. And that's not how that works. Systems like this are systematically built to be shitty and to affect minorities in a negative light, right? Um, and so it's really awful, in my opinion, that a film like this released in 2020 with all the issues going on, especially in Hong Kong, is making such a big deal out of Mulan being a liar when she has to be. Otherwise, the other effects of the film are going to be fucking disastrous. Millions will die. Her father will die. She has to be there. And you're going to make a big deal out of her lying for a little bit of the time? Look, I'm not saying go around and lie to fucking everybody, but at, at a certain point, you know, the good you were bringing into the world greatly outweighs the negative. And so there's just so much emphasis placed on that. And not only did it make Mulan feel weaker, but it also sends a fucking horrible message to anybody who believes that, like, it's not the system's fault at all. It's just a couple of bad actors. And that mindset has been so dangerous that I would hate for this movie to influence people in the wrong way like that. And that just sort of brought it over the top from a movie that I just really didn't care for at first to a movie that I fucking absolutely disdain and hate. Do not watch the 2020 Mulan remake. It can be occasionally funny and how bad it's put together. The dialogue can be stilted. The action can be over the top for sure. But the characters aren't right. Mulan isn't right. And the messages that it sends to the people watching it are shitty. Despite the fact that the film is supposedly worth $30, I don't buy that. Don't pay that much money for this. Don't watch it at all. It is awful. It is a bastardization of the original. And if you have to watch Mulan, just go watch the original. Because it suffers from a lot of problems that are kind of independent from a lot of the Disney live-action remakes for sure. But, in my opinion, are far worse problems. This is like a one for me. I hated this movie. Zach hated this movie. Jay hated this movie. If you have to watch it, again, just go watch the original because this was an absolute waste of time. And it legitimately got me mad at points. I tried to come across in this episode as having it be more subtle and stuff, but still, it was rough the whole way through. Anyway, <laughs> I guess now I should move on to, to a bit of a 
a lighter topic of some sorts. Shoot, I don't, I don't, ugh, I don't even know what I want to talk about. Honestly, I'm trying to think. Like I mentioned, all the projects I watched. Mulan. I watched another film. I guess I'm thinking of ending things that I really didn't enjoy either. But it was like better than Mulan. But I don't want to talk about it specifically because like it's not a film I have much to say on. Right? It's just sort of like, eh. I get it. It's like a okay. I guess I'll get into it since I have nothing else to talk about. I'm thinking of ending things. It's a Charlie Kaufman film. And it could be described, I guess, as sort of an art house film, right? It's based off a book of the same name that is kind of like weird and all over the place. And usually I'm a fan of movies like this that are just sort of weird, surreal, dreamlike, and have a deeper message underneath. My problem, I guess, with this film is that at first glance, the movie is none of those things. But weirdly, I enjoyed that part more than the later half, which is actually dreamlike and surrealist and stuff. The first half of this movie, I guess to give you like a brief synopsis, because I don't, I may not like it, but I don't want to spoil it for you guys. So there's this couple, right? Jake and some girl. We don't know her name. Uh, it's never revealed. Um... But they're in a relationship together, and the girl wants to leave. She likes Jake well enough, is a fan of him at points, for sure. Um, but it's a very awkward relationship. The two don't connect all the time. They are very known to argue and bicker and back and forth. And even though it's never abusive or anything, she just wants to move on to other people. And so, at multiple points, they go on this adventure in this car ride... They visit Jake's family, they go to an ice cream shop, they go to a school, and at multiple points she tries to reveal to Jake that she is thinking of ending things, right? And this opening really got me hooked, let me tell you. Like, relationship dramas, my type of shit, right? Just a guy and a girl going through their differences, conceiving their problems, and talking about that sort of stuff. Later on in the film, we start to notice that there are a bit of weird things going on. There's some parents that are a little bit creepy and weird. Don't want to say why. Again, no spoilers. Watch the movie for yourself. Form your own opinion. That type of shit. And we're noticing that sort of stuff. And then the arguments start to get weirder and weirder. And there's some impressions. And the ice cream store is not all that quite right and stuff. And all of that's well and good. I think what I don't like about this movie is what I said at the beginning is eventually it does go into that dreamlike and surrealist stuff, but I think the message changes too. It starts off as a relationship drama, but when it gets into the dreamlike and surrealist stuff, it changes its message from that to a story about mental health. And I'm okay with mental health stories. I think there needs to be more of them out there. It's a topic that needs a lot of nuance to be discussed. And I think going through this weird and, and wacky approach to deliver that message is a good idea on paper, for sure. But I really liked the relationship drama stuff before, and we don't really get that at a certain point. And it just kind of falls off for me. On top of that, this movie is very much surrounded in mystery, almost like a horror movie at points, 
or you're waiting for a twist or you're waiting for something to be revealed or you're waiting for it all to go wrong because it is so weird. The music is supporting the sort of horror atmosphere. That's really good. Don't get me wrong for sure. But that horror angle or twist doesn't come. Just letting you know, <laughs> right? And the mystery aspect of it is never really solved. You're sort of having to watch the movie and form your own interpretation. Again, not bad on paper, but like all things, uh, the director, Charlie Kaufman, just tells you straight up what the movie's about and what the references are and the, the parts of these scenes and mysteries and stuff. And it's like, well, I'm left with two choices now. Either watch the film, am confused by a lot of its baffling choices that you would not understand the first time around or even the second time around, right? I could either do that or I could read this article, have the mystery and stuff spoiled for me and ruined and then have to sit with the fact that a lot of these scenes on their own do not hold up. Some of them do in the first part. I like the long car drive at the beginning. I like all the stuff that goes on at the parents' house when it almost feels like a horror movie. But from that second car ride on, it becomes pretty apparent that we are not only shifting tones, but the dialogue goes from being this sort of human experience to more of a game of references, where characters really only speak in quotes and reviews and references to other things. And that's really due to the mental health message that is later revealed at the end. But again, I don't care for it as much for a lot of reasons. The main one being that I can't spoil it, uh, because if I did, that would ruin the movie for a lot of people, and I don't want to do that, um, but the angle that they go with it toward the end is far less satisfying, and I really only cared about the girl character and watching her get through it, and then when she kind of has diminishing importance throughout the film, I lose interest, and I don't enjoy the film as much, uh, that being said, if you are into art house films, if you're into other Charlie Kaufman films, I think there is some stuff in there for you that is good and fun, and it's not the worst movie I've ever seen, trust me. Again, Mulan sucks ass. It is a one. Uh, but this movie, to me, I'm thinking of ending things, gets around a four. A lot of the first half I enjoy, it is technically well-built, but it is a film built on mystery and references, and the focus away from relationship drama to mental health, to me, doesn't stick the landing. And that last 30 minutes or so are just flat out not good. Um, especially if you don't just go and look up what the fuck it's all about, I guess. But those are my thoughts on that movie. Let me know what you thought of that down below. And I think that'll do it for this episode of Aiden on Anchor. Again, check out all the projects I mentioned before. Be sure to check out Ramson's podcast, Chat and Shit, link in the description below. And if you're listening to this on the 7th, I'm going to be streaming Pokemon Blue at 4 o'clock, 4 p.m. CST. So if you're listening to this and you want to catch me on live stream, uh, be sure to do that because we're going to have a fun time as a whole. Special shout out to Jay and Parker for donating and keeping the podcast afloat and consistent. And shout out to all you listeners as well who continue to listen and enjoy and on Anchor. I've been your host. Aiden Matthews, and I'm signing off. Bye-bye.